This is The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins of Grace Calvary Chapel. It's very important to remember this, that storms don't perfect your faith. Jesus perfects your faith. Now, he can use a storm, but I've seen people, two different people, go through the same storm and come out differently. And it all depends on whether or not they kept their eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus, friend. Jesus can use a storm to test and to strengthen us, but our faith only grows when we don't turn away from Christ. We know that in life, we're going to face hardships. They're inevitable. We also know that from hardships we face, we typically gain strength in something that we didn't have before. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. In today's message, Pastor Josh is going to be talking about how it's not the hardships we face that strengthen us, but the things we focus on in the midst of those. When we keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of the battle, that's when growth begins. Now, here's Pastor Josh in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. As he continues his message, Jesus offers the better race. The other side of obedience is life. So we need to know our our limits to get rid of the things that hinder us in the race. Number three, we'll move through these last two points, is that we need to know our strength. We need to know our strength. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Underline that word endurance. It's the quality or the attribute of the way that we are to run. Anyone who's ever run a race knows that there is an inevitable moment that your body does what? Says, stop, you're killing me. We were not designed to do this. (laughs) Just knock it off. Right? Your body's telling you this is it. This is, this is, I've, I've reached the limit. Well, how do you press through a limit? It's called endurance. In fact, the word here, it means literally Patient continuance. Isn't that everyone's favorite word, patience? You guys have heard it said, and I've said it before, right? Uh, Be careful what you pray for. If you pray for patience, God will give it to you. I've got news for you. You don't have to pray for it. If you're following Jesus, it's (laughs) non-negotiable. You have to get it any way possible. Patience is the way we endure through life. Patient continuance. A disappointment comes up, I press through it. An unexpected turn on the course, I move through it. I keep going beyond my limits. And of course, the race of faith is not a sprint, it's a marathon. You must continue running for Christ through the turns of trials, through the ditches of disappointment, and through the hills of hardships. And James told us this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And here is the author's point, that inevitably, along your race of faith, there will come a point in time when you're tempted out of frustration, weariness, or discouragement to give up the races that God has set you on. If you're honest with me today, you would probably raise your hand and say, at some point, in a small way or great, I have felt like I think I just want to stop. 
I think it would be easier to sit down on the side of the track than to keep trying to press through. And yet the author here takes us back to what he said in chapter 10 when he emphasized, for you have need of endurance, that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And so don't give up and don't give in when it comes to the things that God has placed before you. Second Timothy, Paul writes, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. In other words, to win our race, we must run God's way. And notice here he says, run with endurance, what? The race that is set before you. As Christians, we all have two, at least two races. Number one is the big, I call it the big R race. This is the race of faith. We are all on the same track. We are all running this race together. And what's the race? Stay faithful to Jesus Christ until I die. That's the race. When Paul's told Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the what? The faith. That's the race he's talking about. I kept the faith. I finished the race of faith. That's the big race. But then there's a secondary race. And that is the individual races that God has given each one of us. You don't have the same race I have. I don't have the same calling you have. You might not have the exact same direction and course and path that I have. And I might not have the one that you have. We all have been given individual races to run. And this is what Paul meant when he spoke in Acts chapter 20. Listen, he says, None of these things move me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself, that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. So Paul says, I want to finish the big race of faith and I want to run and finish my race with joy. That God has given me a ministry and called me to do something specific in his kingdom. How would I apply this, well, friend? Four words. You have a race to run. Six words. You have a race. If you don't feel like you're running for a purpose of Jesus, you need to get off the bench and say, coach, throw me in. If you look at your life and you're like, my life doesn't really consist of any actions, any ministries, any movement towards the purposes of God's kingdom. You need to get your ministry from Jesus. Well, I don't think Jesus has a ministry for me. He does. God is not like the kind of coach where, we were talking about this the other day, the kind of coach that's like, you have a whole team of players and then you have one like really tall kid on the basketball team and the coach is just like, just give it to Johnny. Just give the ball to Johnny. Johnny, just don't, just, just if you get the ball, just give it to Johnny. It's not what God's up to. God didn't say, I have a plan for Pastor Josh to make him a pastor, but not for so-and-so. They don't have very much to offer me. My friends, I've said this before. I'll say it again. None of us have anything to offer God. No degrees, no amount of intelligence, no clarity of speech, no charisma, no. None of us have anything to offer God that would make us more, should I say, more qualified to be used by him. What we do have to offer him is our obedience, our faith, our availability, and our willingness. 
If you can say yes, well, I don't know what to do. This is what I always tell people when they tell me, I don't know what ministry to do. Start with what you know. Well, what do I know? The greatest among you shall be the servant of all. If you don't know what to do, here's a tip. Go start serving somebody else in the name of Jesus. You don't need to take a spiritual gift. I get to take my spiritual gift test. God, the gift that helps. And Oh, the gift of miracles, yeah. No, here's what you need to do. Stop taking spiritual gift tests and go start doing something. That requires spiritual gifts. And God will either say, eh, that's not, that's not quite your area. Or I'm going to empower you right now because you took a step of faith. And you didn't think you would want to do that. But all of a sudden, you wouldn't want to rather be doing anything else. Start to find the ministry that God has given you, the race that he has set before you, and run that race with endurance to the finish line. But Josh, I fell on my face during the race. Get back up. I took a wrong turn on the track. Retrace your steps and go back and start again. I'm just so weary. Then rest in the Lord and regain your strength. I'm all tangled up in sin. Then then get the help of of other believers to start untying the knots. I'm all alone. Then start running the race with other like-minded Christians. But what we don't have the option is to say, I'm not going to run the race. I love how William Barclay describes this endurance. Look at these words he uses. Speaking of this endurance, he says, that determination, unhasting, unresting, unhurrying and yet undelaying, which goes steadily on, which refuses to be deflected, obstacles will not daunt it, delays will not depress it, discouragement will not take its hope away. It will halt neither for discouragement from within nor opposition from without. That is the endurance we need. And finally, number four, we need to know our Savior. So here's the picture, okay? Stick with me, last point. He's, he's given us all these preparations, and now you're a lean, mean, running machine. I mean, you, you, are, you are set. You've cast off the sins and the weights, and you're healthy, and you are building endurance. You're ready to run the race, and you've identified a path and a course. Now comes the big and the overarching and the most important question. Who are you running for? Who are you running for? And so he says in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, you and I, we're running for Team Jesus. Amen? Like, he is our our coach, but also our example and also our goal. He's the one we're running towards. He's the one we're following. Our eyes must be steadily fixed. Our focus zoned in on Christ. There are many disciplined people in this world who are running effectively after stuff. Would you agree with me? There are a lot of people who have mastered themselves to accomplish their dreams in this life. I... uh, Confession, I like watching boxing videos sometimes. And this, this clip came up, I don't know how, but it was Mike Tyson, the great philosopher and thinker of our day. Mike Tyson was talking to these guys, and it just was like a little clip of the interview. And they were talking to him about, you know, what, what do you do with your free time? And he said, 
Mike Tyson, Iron Mike provided some of the wisest biblical words. I was, I was like, wow. He said, I don't have a phone. And the guy's were like, what? You don't have a phone? Yeah, because I know the lower part of my nature. If I had a phone, I'd look at porn. And I'm out to conquer the world. How can I conquer the world if I can't conquer myself? Hey, he's getting biblical on us. Why do I bring it up? Because here's the tragedy of it all. What's his goal? To conquer the world? Which he's not going to do, but even if he did, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? A lot of people are running for a lot of stuff effectively, but our call is to run for Jesus, to have our eyes fixed on him. When I was learning how to drive, I think I scared my dad more than once because I had this horrible habit. It seems like no matter which way I turned my head, the car turned the same way. And if I had to change a lane and look over my shoulder, all of a sudden, I was changing lanes while I was looking over my shoulder. Why? Because you move the direction you look. That's how it works in life. And that's how it works in faith. You move towards the things that you are fixing your gaze upon, that you're putting your focus on. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. And then he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul says, I will put an athletic mindset on my faith. I will discipline my body. He just means that he will train and get his flesh under control. And he will run with intention. He will not shadow box just swinging at the air. He's going to have direction. He's going to have intentionality. He's going to be focused. He's going to be disciplined disciplined, but why? So that I could gain something on this earth that's going to pass away? No. Because my crown, my purpose, my goal, my investments are things that will never fade away. And that's how we ought to look at our faith. Of course, he says there's two reasons why. Looking unto Jesus, he says, the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, Jesus is the one who writes our story. He wrote the first opening chapter. He writes the last final chapter. He sees your life through from beginning to end. But this word finisher, the author, that's the beginning, and the finisher, the word is actually perfecter. Your Bible might say the perfecter of our faith. I love this idea of Jesus being the perfecter of our faith because it tells me that your faith will never grow into what it needs to be if you're not staying focused on Jesus. He's the one who is going to perfect your faith. Do you remember that Peter learned this the hard way, or should I say the, the wet way? Peter had enough faith to see Jesus walking on the water in the middle of a storm, and he had enough faith to say, Lord, if that's you, call me out. And then he had enough faith when the Lord actually said, Peter, come, to step out of the boat in the midst of a storm. And then he had enough faith to take several steps as though the water was solid ground as he walked towards Jesus. At what point did 
Peter's faith falter when he started to look at the storm rather than look at the Savior. Whenever you decide you're going to look at the storm rather than look at the Savior, your faith starts to plummet. Your doubt starts to increase. Your natural fears of what's going to happen and your logic start to take over. And you begin to doubt God. You see, it's very important to remember this, that storms don't perfect your faith. Jesus perfects your faith. Now, he can use a storm, but I've seen people, two different people, go through the same storm and come out differently. And it all depends on whether or not they kept their eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus, friend. Jesus can use a storm to test and to strengthen us, but our faith only grows when we don't turn away from Christ. And perhaps you are sinking even now. Then maybe you have the faith to do what Peter did. Even at that last moment as he was descending into the sea, he still had the faith, didn't he? To say, Jesus, save me. And Jesus said, I will. And he reached down his hand and pulled Peter to where he was. Perhaps there needs to be a cry of faith from some life, some heart here today. Simply, you're at the bottom, you're at the end. You want to give up your race. The Lord did not bring you here by accident but by his spirit is calling out to you. Just reach out to me. Of course, Jesus then doesn't merely ask us to endure. He showed us, he demonstrated endurance for us, didn't he? Because it says here that he endured the cross, despising the shame. Same kind of words Paul is using for us. Endure, but but Jesus endured. Something far more... (laughs) unimaginable than anything you could ever endure. When Jesus thought of the cross, he despised the shame. The shame was not anything he did wrong. It was our shame, our nakedness, our sin that he embraced. The pain of physical suffering beyond comprehension, the darkness and aloneness that he experienced as he suffered the wrath of God for us on the cross. What caused Jesus to finish his course, to finish his race, The Bible says that the joy set before him, he endured the cross. To see the joy was not the cross, it was the crown that would follow. It wasn't the suffering, but the salvation that would be extended. It wasn't the wrath he would suffer in a moment. It was the peace that we would have with God for eternity. God, Jesus looked ahead beyond the suffering, beyond the pain, beyond the trial. And he he saw the finish line and he knew that there was great joy ahead of him because I know it's hard for us to believe this, but part of his joy was your face, knowing that that cross would seal forever your eternity with him. And did you know that there is a joy set before you today? You don't know my life. It's not very joyful. It's really hard. A lot going on. No, 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 no. Look beyond. Look past it. The joy set before you is that you have a Savior who ran his race, finished his race, rose from the dead, sat at the right hand of God victorious, over all, including death. And you know what's going to happen to you one day is, is what happened to Stephen when he was stoned. I'm not saying you're going to get stoned. But when Stephen was stoned to death, what did he, he looked up and he said, Behold, I see Jesus, Son of God, standing at the right hand of Jesus. Jesus stood and welcomed him into the joy of the Lord. 
Remember the psalm that tells us, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There is a joy set before you. It's heaven. It's eternity. It's meeting Jesus face to face. It's being free of sin and free of death and free of tears and free of pain and new bodies for all eternity, experiencing newness and joy every single moment in the presence of a perfect God. That's your joy. And Jesus shows us that example of how to run with joy. So, We are exhorted to run our race. And when we feel like we want to give up and we're crying out for help, we need to remember these four things. You have an audience. You have those heroes of faith who went before you, who demonstrated the the resolve and the results of faith. You have their lives to look at, and they cheer you on. And then also remember that if there's anything holding you and hindering you, it's better to get rid of it than to hang on to it. For the Lord wants you to run freely the race he set before you. And that's, of course, going to, number three, require endurance. And endurance must be built. We must allow God to build patience in our lives by trusting him through trials. And that will allow us to continue pursuing the things he's placed in front of us, even in the face of difficulty and impossibility. And then, of course, lastly, our focus must be honed in on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who is with us in the race. So if you are running weary, tired, I want to pray just for you today. And perhaps you don't know Jesus, and this whole thing has been like, you know, this side does not really making a lot of sense to me. I would encourage you to come join the race. <laughs> you might say, whoa, after what you described, why would I want to join that race? Because everyone's in a race. You know that. You're already in a race. But the place you're running, it's going to lead you to destruction. Without Jesus, what are you running for? It's not going to last. And so come, run the race of faith. Receive the reward at the end of your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for the truth that's in your word. It challenges us, it exhorts us, it calls us to go deeper into deeper places with you, into greater steps of faith. It calls us, Lord, to honestly examine our lives, the way that we're running, what we're running for, what we're running to. Lord, these are good things because you put this here to bring us into a place of freedom, of hope, of joy, of effectiveness and fruitfulness for the kingdom until you return. And so, Lord, I just pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray for our church as a whole. I pray, Lord, that you would give us your vision, that you would put the race before us, and that we would stay focused on the path that's ahead of us. There's so much to be done, Lord. So many battles to fight, so many needs to be served, so many people that need Jesus. And we want to be on course. We want to be on track to do our part. We love you, Lord, and we know that this is not possible apart from the empowering of your Holy Spirit. So we ask you to fill us now and strengthen us for the race ahead. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Flevins. Thanks for tuning in. 
The Ascending Life is a ministry of Grace Calvary Chapel in St. Joseph, Missouri. And our prayer is that today's message from the book of Hebrews impacted your faith journey in a mighty way. If you have any questions about today's message or would like to connect for other reasons, feel free to give us a call at 816-279-2090. That number again is 816-279-2090. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear others like it from Pastor Josh, just visit theascendinglife.com and click on Media. You can watch our YouTube channel, read our blog, or listen to our podcast. Or better yet, visit us in person. We meet each Sunday at 8 and 10 a.m. and would love to have you join us. At Grace Calvary Chapel, we believe in awakening people to the love, truth, and power of God. If you're looking for a place where you can experience the love, truth, and power of God, we'd love to be that space for you. All are welcome, so come just as you are. For directions and other information about who we are and what we believe in, visit theascendinglife.com. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram to receive daily encouragement too. Well, that's it for today. But thanks again for tuning in to today's message with Pastor Josh. Join us again next time to learn more from the mighty book of Hebrews right here on The Ascending Life. Reaching up, we're pressing